Well, today is a day that we traditionally celebrate as Mother's Day. And, and I remember for quite some portion of my life, the thought never occurred to me. And actually, when I heard people talk about it, it didn't make a lot of sense that sometimes days like today can be difficult. Um, that there are people who are here, there are people that are listening, that m- maybe you've lost your mother in recent years, or, or maybe you're struggling with infertility, or, or maybe you've lost a child, or maybe, maybe you're just single and you haven't been able to find that godly man, you would like to be a mother. Um, Whatever reason that I know, anytime that we single out and we praise or we honor, it can be difficult for those who may not find themselves in that position or in a difficult position. There's good news. And the good news is that there's grace for that. There's grace for those struggles that we have. There's grace, God's grace. For those who find themselves in difficult situations, it's the same thing that God said to Paul when he prayed for his thorn in the flesh. Lord, take this thing away from me. And what did God tell him? My grace is sufficient for you. Listen to what he says. And his power is perfected in your weakness. That's good news. Whatever we face. It doesn't mean that we aren't dealing with difficulties, but it means that we are following a God and serving a God who is greater than our difficulties and greater than our challenges. That being understood, we want to spend some time honoring this incredible gift that God has given to those of us who are here worshiping today. We want to spend some time honoring who who read passages like Titus chapter 2 and and, and they don't hear oppressive words, but they hear words of incredible liberation. Not just to praise everyone who's ever had a baby, that, that's really not all that praiseworthy, but, but to praise those women amongst us who are striving to take those children who they have brought into this world, and they're striving to teach them and to rear them in the paths of God from the time that they are a child well on into adulthood to the very end of their life. I thought about how many godly mothers we have and how how for some of you that means that you've got a little infant in your arms and for some of you your baby's an old man but you still not only care for him but you still take spiritual responsibility and investment in their life. So this morning, I want us to look at a classic text, Proverbs 31. It is a text that I'm sure is familiar to, well, probably to almost everyone who is listening, at least portions of it, as we've talked about the Proverbs 31 woman. Can I tell you, complete honesty, Many times I have steered clear of Proverbs 31. And the reason for that is, I feel like it's, it's one of those passages that gets used so often that it gets used inappropriately. And, and it just kind of bothers me, so I, so I avoid it. Now that's not really an appropriate response, is it? Because, because there is an appropriate way for us to see Proverbs 31. There is something praiseworthy that is here. Incredibly well known. 
but I fear at times often misunderstood. It's important for us to spend some time in this text and in texts like this because we live in a world where the whole idea of womanhood, well, it's very different from what the Bible teaches us. And our daughters and our wives and our mothers and our grandmothers, they live within that same world. They live within that world that is constantly giving one version of what a, of what a real woman looks like and what they need to hear what they need to be encouraged by, what they need to be built up by, what they need to be challenged by, is this message that comes from God's Word about what real wisdom is, is, looks like, about what real womanhood looks like. I wanted this lesson to be a part of, of our overall theme this month of a, of a holy ambition. Because as we think about it, it's not just the idea of, of being born female or of having a child or of growing older as a female, but this, this ambition towards the future that, that is guided and directed by holiness. It's guided and directed by what God wants me to be, what God intends for me to be. That's why we read passages like Proverbs 31. Let's just read it together if you have your Bibles. Proverbs 31, beginning in verse 10. An excellent wife, who can find? For her worth is far above jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. She is like merchant ships, and she brings her food from afar. She rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. She considers a field, and she buys it. From her earnings she plants a vineyard, and she girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She senses that her gain is good. And her lamp does not go out at night. She stretches out her hands to, 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 to the distaff, and her hands grasp the spindle. She extends her hands to the poor. She stretches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all of her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates. And when he sits amongst the elders of a land, she makes linen garments and, and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles at the future. She opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and bless her, her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates." Now, we read this depiction of the virtuous woman, the Proverbs 31 woman that we so often hear about, and 
I want us to understand that what we are talking about here is, it is, it is an ideal. It, it, it is a, a picture, if you will, of, of perfection. I mean, sometimes when we look at pictures of perfection, we, we, well, instead of being encouraging, they can be discouraging sometimes, right? Like, well, I mean, I see all the ways that I fall short of these things. But, I mean, just, just listen. I mean, the description, we, we read about how this woman is so godly. She is filled with wisdom. She's, she's a great cook. She even makes this food with her own hands for her family. She makes clothes for her family with, with her own bare hands, right? She gets up before everyone else. She goes to sleep after everyone else. Matter of fact, the, the, the text says that her lamp never goes out. She doesn't even sleep, right? That's kind of what he's saying here. Not only does, does she, she's, she's humble, and she's competent. She's a servant and she's a leader. She's, she's not only someone who is involved in, this, in the day-to-day operations of her house, but she's also an, an entrepreneur. She's making deals in, in, in the world. And on top of that, she even loves and cares for the poor. Do you understand we're talking about the perfect woman? We're talking about this ideal much in the same way that when, we come to the New, that when we come to the New Testament, we have the ideal man in the form of Christ. He's perfect, right? He does everything the right way. He does everything for the right reasons. He does everything at the right time. He's perfect. And so no matter how godly you may find yourself, you say, well, I certainly fall short of that. Well, what we're really seeing here is that, is that image of a Christ-like woman. And when we read these things... Just like when we read of the example of Christ, instead of it being something that just discourages us, they ought to be things that encourage us, that inspire us to say, this is what I want to be. I want to, I want to live this out in my life. To those of us who are married, Listen, one of, the, one of the opportunities, one of the privileges that we have placed before us is to encourage the image that we just read about there in Proverbs 31. Think about passages like Ephesians chapter 5, right? As he talks about the headship of man, but, in, but within that headship, he says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present, that he might present to himself the church in all of her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. See, that's what we honor. That's the, from a biblical perspective, that, that's what's worthy of honor. So for husbands, passages like Proverbs 31 ought to be these challenges to recommit ourselves to that end. When we think about what does it mean to be a good husband? What does it mean to be a godly husband? Well, it means that I am someone who is actively, actively striving in my life 
to help. I'm not talking about a project. No husband wants to be a wife's project. No wife wants to be a husband's project, right? Can we amen that with about four people here? I think we can amen that. But to understand, Nancy, Jack gave a real loud amen. I don't know. But, but this, she did too at home. Don't worry, right? But, but to understand, to understand, I want to encourage that. I want to be a source in my wife's life that actually helps these things become a reality in her life. Just like it works vice versa with this idea, right? So when we read passages like this, it ought to challenge all of us. Now, what we see with Proverbs 31, and I find this really interesting, is that Proverbs 31 is not primarily written to women. It's not primarily there for my daughter to hear, although I hope and I pray that my daughter is listening to the things that are there. There's a lot that can be learned, right? What you'll see in Proverbs 31, this just fascinates me, is that the primary audience of Proverbs 31 are single men. Do you believe me? I see a couple heads going up and down. I see a couple heads that are, you know, I can see you through the camera. No, I really can't. But a couple people, but, but go all the way back to Proverbs 31 and verse 1. To the very beginning, to the very beginning of, of what we have here. This proverb, in Proverbs 31 and verse 1, these are the words of King Lemuel. I don't know much about King Lemuel, okay? Other than he was a king and his name was Lemuel. And he had some wisdom, right? Where did he get the wisdom? We're going to find out. These are the words of King Lemuel, the utterance which his mother taught him. What, my son, and what, sons of my womb, and what, sons of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, nor your ways to that which destroys kings. So when we read Proverbs 31, what we're really reading are words that a mother was giving to her son about women. I like the way that the English Standard Version translates this because it says, what are you doing, my son? Now, I picture my son, right? 14 years old. I'm trying to picture myself. But, but this, this, I mean, as his mother looks at him on any number of occasions and she would say something to this effect, what are you doing, right? I mean, you know, is there something wrong with you? I mean, what, I mean, that's a terrible decision. What, what are you doing? Every mother has said that to her son, right? Miss Renee, you're here. I mean, did you say that to Kevin a couple times? What are you doing, son? Because that's not very smart, right? You, Kevin, she's, she's saying, yes, yeah, she said that to you. That's what's going on here. This is wisdom, and, and you don't, you're not trying to be ugly, rude. You're trying to say, okay, no, 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 no. This is about becoming a godly man, right? You need to give some more thought to what you're doing. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What, what, what son of my vows? Quit giving your strength to ungodly women. And there is a sense in which one of the themes that we can trace throughout the book of Proverbs is this warning against ungodly women. Now, on Mother's Day, we're going to see the, the, we're going to see the exact opposite of what Proverbs is saying, right? He's going to warn us against these things. But when we see the opposite of them, they're worthy of praise. But all throughout the book of Proverbs, we have these warnings, the, these warnings about, about 
the wrong type of women. And some of these things could be vice versa, but, but in particular here, we're, we're going to see these things. Uh, in Proverbs 2, we'll go quickly through a couple of these, right? In Proverbs 2, they have this, uh, Proverbs 2 and verse 16, the, 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 this prayer that we might be delivered from the strange woman, from the adulteress who flatters with her words, that leave the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. You, son, better be careful. Stay away from adulterous women. Stay away from these women who, who won't honor their, their marriage vow and their marriage covenant, right? In chapter 7, we can read about the woman who neglects her family, about the woman who bankrupts her family. We, we can read in chapter 16, once again, about, uh, about the unfaithful woman. You go over to chapter 20, 27. In chapter 27 and verse 15, we're going to read about a contentious woman. In chapter 27, beginning, beginning in verse 15, he says, A constant dripping on a day of steady rain and a contentious woman are alike. He who would restrain her restrains the wind and grasps oil with his right hand. It's a warning, Right? It's a warning. You don't want one of these contentious women. Back up to Proverbs 25 and verse 24. It is better to live in a corner of the rooftop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. It's just one of these themes throughout Proverbs, right? Be careful. Be careful about falling prey to this sort of woman. It's, it's, it's a lesson that we talked probably ad nauseum to our children about. What sort of person do you want to marry? What sort of person do, do, do you want to find yourself with? Right? One of the things I say to my son all the time, I don't care what she looks like, son. She ain't worth it. Right? What do we mean by that? Well, we've seen lots of people, they make terrible mistakes when it comes to the type of woman that they want in their life. It's not to downplay the idea of physical attraction. We are just a few pages removed from the Song of Solomon. Okay? So the Bible speaks of that too. There, that, that physical attraction is a part of it. But I'm going to tell you, I don't care what she looks like. If she's a contentious woman, if she's unfaithful, if she doesn't care for her family, you don't want a woman like that. Proverbs 11 and verse 22, as a ring in Excuse me, as a ring of gold in a snout, in a swine's snout, so is a beautiful woman who lacks discretion. Over and over, the warnings that, 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 that come here. And then we come to the end of Proverbs. And we have this beautiful text of, I've told you what to avoid. Now let me tell you what to look for. Let me tell you what to seek out. Single men, what to seek out when you think about who you would want to date, who you would want to marry, who you would want to be joined together with. What do you pray for? What do you seek out in your life? Can I tell you, in Proverbs 31, when he speaks to the single men, the words of wisdom that his mother shared with him, we live in a world... We live in a world that says, well, we just, you know, these things just got to let them happen as they are. No, you seek these things out. You seek these things out. We know what it means to seek out a career. We know what it means to seek out money. We know what it means to seek out 
praise and prestige and fame. We know what all of that means. That's ambition, right? What is holy ambition? To seek out a godly wife. It's time, to, it's time to, to put down the video games and go out and seek out someone who can, who can be that, that, that spouse that God has desired. Why? Because she's worth it. Because this is, this is a treasure that's worth more than rubies. Because this is valuable. And anyone who has a wife like that could speak to that fact. That's what we see there in Proverbs 31. That, that message to each, one, to each one of us, but in particular, that message to single men. We honor that thing that God says is so valuable. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. We need a culture, a church culture, If nothing else, a church culture where what we read in Proverbs 31 is something that is praised and promoted. Why? Because women are confronted at every single turn in our culture with a perverted image of what it means to be a woman in the the image of God. And we must be a people who are praising and promoting a godly version of that. To other women, amongst yourself, young or old, we need to be people who are teaching and modeling godly Christianity amongst our women. To our married men, we need to be promoting these things amongst amongst our spouses and amongst our daughters. Praise these things within them because they are praiseworthy. For all the things that we praise... And we praise a lot of stuff that has absolutely nothing to do with God, right? I'm not, even talking, I'm, not, I'm not talking about sinful things. I'm talking about we praise things that have absolutely nothing to do with godliness. He says, you praise these things. Make sure you praise these things just as much or more. To ask that question, fellas, I always think about this. How can I serve my wife? How can I pray for her more? How can I lay my life down for her more so that she can be made more into his image? To our single men, this is what I want. Seek one of, these, one of these types of women out. And in the process, become the type of man that a woman like this would want. To our sons and our daughters, praise these things. To our women who are listening, to make it your ambition to grow in these things. This is, this is that holy ambition that God has placed before us. Paul would write, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, about some of the, the, the distinctive roles between men and women. But after he talks about those distinctive roles, he says something very interesting about women. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, when he says, Nevertheless, she, the woman, right, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. Now, he's not saying that you're saved just because you have a baby. Okay, He's not saying that you're saved just because you go through the process. No, childbearing stands for the whole of this unique role that only women fulfill. I can't fulfill that role. You can't fulfill that role. We can attempt. We cannot fulfill it. God has created this role, this role that we read about in Proverbs 31, that ideally the woman is, is, is to portray. 
one of the great wake-up moments in, in my family came, came, came when we, as we're trying to structure what our family is going to look like, and, and all of this came when my wife was in grad school. I think I shared the story with you last year, but I think it's worth sharing over and over again because it really helped us kind of to see the picture. And my wife, she was top of her class. She was finishing up grad school. She was given therapy uh, at a hospital with, with uh, stroke victims and, and things of that nature. And she got to the end of her review. And by the way, she was pregnant, okay, before she finished school. And it was the Lord's plan, not ours. But, but, but this came about. She's going through all these things while she's expecting our daughter. And she came to the, to the end to be evaluated. And the person who evaluated her, another woman, said, said, you did everything that you were supposed to do. You were always here, you gave good therapy, so on, so forth. She had an A in the class, but then she said this one thing, but, but you act like you care more about this baby than you do your job. Well, I do care more about this baby than I do this job. But the fact that someone would actually say that says something about where our culture is. We get into this whole debate about, can a woman work outside the home? Well, of course a woman can work outside the home. You read that in Proverbs 31. But where our culture has messed it up, where the church has messed it up, is where we've taken that to be the primary, the primary role of, of a woman. It's not. My wife works outside the home. But I can tell you she does not do that to, to, to the violation of the God-given role that, that she has to care for our family. Her job can say bye-bye if, 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 that, if, that, if that becomes the case. And that's that balancing. I know that's not easy. That's an easy statement, hard, hard to live out, even in our own lives. But this is what he's saying. This is that unique, special role. And when women fulfill that role, my mother, my grandmother, my wife, my daughter, when they fulfill that role, God is glorified. Titus 2, keep reading. Titus 2, verses 4 and 5. The older women are to admonish the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, to be chaste, to be homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God might not be blasphemed. And so we take a moment to honor and to acknowledge the women who reflect Proverbs 31, the women who reflect this holy ambition, not just people who have babies, but people who take very seriously their role, their God-given role in helping their household draw closer to God. That's what we honor today. You know, there, there was a, a little thing that I came across some time ago about the role of a mother in helping to mold one towards God. I just want to read this. That every, every mother ought, ought to be able to relate to about your young children, but about all children. It just says this. They will be concerned with what friends think of them. And they will need you to teach them that they only need God's approval. They will want what they want when they want it. And they will need you to teach them to be a servant so that they can love others. They will think that they are smarter than they actually are. And they will need you to show how to learn from God's wisdom. 
they will act like they don't have any problems. And they will need you to show them how to share the struggles with others and the Lord. They will tend to think about themselves before others. And they will need you to teach them that the last will become first. To show them the mind of Christ. They will have lots of reasons to hold grudges. And they will need you to model forgiveness so they can learn how to show grace. They will want to have lots of money so they can buy what they want. And they will need you to teach them that their things belong to God. They will struggle with their looks and their appearance, and they will need you to remind them that God made them. They will need you. They will need you to point them towards Christ when and if no one else will. That's what we honor. That's what he's saying there in Proverbs 31. Lots of people have done it wrong, but there are some who have done it right. They are praiseworthy, and we praise them as we praise God. If you're listening to this lesson this morning, you need to understand that you have a mother who embraced a curse so that you could be born. That's the reality. You have a mother who embraced a curse so that you could be born. But as you reflect upon that, I want you to understand that Christ embraced a curse so that you could be born again. And if you want to honor your mother, you honor her by honoring God. That is our opportunity. That is our privilege. That is our responsibility. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for a godly home to have grown up in. I'm thankful for a godly home to live in today. I pray for a godly home in the future. I'm thankful for God's grace when we have and do fall short of that image. But I stand before God saying, I just want to reflect you and your glory. And my role as a man and your role as a mother. And when we do so, he will be glorified. That is our goal. Would you pray with me, please?